Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. Just a couple bits of news before we get into the show. Um, the Board Game Workshop is now part of the Indie Game Report. So if you're a new listener that found us through the Indie Game Report, welcome to the show. You can check out the Indie Game Report at theindiegamereport.com. Uh, they do reviews, videos. We're their first podcast, so we're learning as we go, but should be exciting and should help us get a lot more content for you on the show. Now, on to the show. This episode is a little different, and next episode is going to be the same. I got to go to the Boston Festival of Indie Games, and the Boston Festival of Indie Games, also known as BFIG or Boston Fig, uh, is an interesting event. Um, it's a little different than your standard convention or even an unpub or protospiel, where it's half digital and half tabletop games. I focused mostly on the tabletop games, but it has a showcase of new games. They can be published or not yet published, so there's a variety of different states. Some are very much in the prototype state and still looking for feedback. Others have already been published but have just recently been released. Um, it's all independent designers and you have to submit your game ahead of time and make it through several levels of judging to get a table at the event but once there you get to show off your game it's a very large crowd i presented in it a couple of years ago with one of my games and it's non-stop people that want to play your game learn about it it's a great time it's really good publicity for any up-and-coming designers and new games um this was the first time i went as a podcast and it was interesting. I have never walked so much in my life trying to get around to get an interview from everyone. I ended up managing to get uh, 39 interviews in in the day, and that's why it's going to turn into two episodes of the podcast. So enjoy the first half of those interviews. I am here with Jill and Brian Bollinger from Wild East Games. And we have a game called Pitman here at the Boston Fig. It's basically, or similar to, a cross between poker and liar's dice. Um, everyone has dealt a hand of cards, and you're trying to be the person who can roll the dice with a high bid on how many points you think you can get on up to 10 dice. Um, as you're dealt cards, the cards will dictate how many dice you can roll. Uh, but before you roll the dice, you have a chance to tell your opponents, um, I can roll seven dice, but your cards may only support five dice. And then they have a chance to call you out on that. So um, if you're a good bluffer and you can lie well, then you're really good at this game. Yep. Yeah, I've played this a couple times now, and I really enjoy the levels of bluffing. Like, it goes way beyond poker. It's much more like Liar's Dice with the levels of bluffing you can get into. It's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun because even if you're the high bidder and you get to roll the dice, if the dice aren't as high as what you bid your opponents still get points, so there's a chance to get points even if you're not the high bidder. Of course, we just played a game, and I totally thought I had it, and then Chris played two bandit cards on me. So That's the way it goes. roll was not a good roll. Uh, so what are your plans for a release? You're going to Kickstarter, I believe? Yeah, we'll go to Kickstarter, um, hopefully this winter or this spring. Cool. Well, we will look for it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. I am here with uh, Chris Barney. And what is your game, Chris? My game is Follow the Last City. Um, so Follow the Last City is a heavily themed um, post-apocalyptic uh, style game. This is uh, what Mad Max would be playing uh, sitting around a barrel fire with his friends. So it's set after the apocalypse, or it's played after the apocalypse, not set after the apocalypse. Um, it's a real-time territory control game. 
which is to say that it's a six-player game where it's always your turn. Um, everybody makes their move and then raises their fist in defiance of the city, and uh, when everybody's fist is in the air, then it's the next turn. Um, there are two aspects to the game, both a tactical aspect and a social aspect. Tactically, you're moving around the board, which is divided into six wedges. Um, each wedge is a territory. You're trying to control as many territories as you can by placing bases on them, controlling the bases by placing warriors on them, getting warriors by recruiting them from the city. The more bases you control, the more warriors you can recruit. So, uh, pretty straightforward tactical uh, proposition, but it's six players doing it all in real time. So, situational awareness is really important. Um, and uh, a lot of action gets compressed into a very short time period. The second aspect of the game is the social aspect. Um, if you run into another player on the board, you can challenge them. At the end of the turn, you resolve challenges, and challenges are based on a classic iterative prisoner's dilemma. Um, you both get a black and white token. You place the white side down if you guys want to ally. You place the black side down if you want to fight. Um, and you start out the challenge by secretly reaching into your uh, pool of warriors and selecting some number, can be zero, um, that you want to commit to the fight. And then you place down your ally token. If you both ally, then you put those warriors back into your bag. Everybody all, is all okay. And you each get to recruit some free warriors. You get to exchange ally tokens that are worth victory points at the end. And you get free passage to that person's territory, unless you betray them later. Um, and if you uh, convince them to ally with you, but you put down black and betray them, then you get to pick one of their territories anywhere on the board, destroy it, remove all the guys from it, they go back to their graveyard. You get to put as many guys as you would like onto it and immediately gain control of that territory. It's just super appealing and might get you, say, three victory points at the end of the game. Um, but if they're expecting your inevitable betrayal and they also put down black, then those warriors that you um, chose to commit, you compare them. Um, whoever committed the most warriors wins. You both lose the lower number. So if you committed five and I committed four, we both lose four. Sucks for both of us. But the winner gets to pick one territory of mine, if I lost, um, and remove all the guys from it, but they don't get to take it over. Um, so the, in the center of the board, uh, which is sort of circular, there is a pool of resources, uh, citizens of the city that you can recruit. Um, that is also a timer. When it runs out, the game is over, and you have a final challenge for the last city where you can either commit a bunch of your warriors or you can support someone else. Um, whoever takes the last city, it counts as a base in every territory and swings the game. If you support somebody, you get a little bit of benefit towards um, uh, gaining territories from that. Uh, and then everybody places a warrior for every victory point they have on the center, and whoever has the most warriors on the center at the end wins the game. Um, so that's pretty cool. much it. it. It looks great. I wish this was not just an audio podcast, but like very thematic with all the nuts and bolts as pieces and stuff. It's, yeah. uh, so where was the idea for really going all in on theme? Um, so it, it uh, evolved over time. Initially, it was a very abstract strategy game. The, the premise was still there, but it was uh, all glass beads and hexagons and very uh, pristine. And then um, I actually, showing it at, uh, at an uh, event like this one, somebody came up and, and you know, said, you know, what if it actually looked like it was from the future? And I was like, oh, of course, that makes so much more sense. Also, I'm not an artist, so producing pieces that look like distressed metal I can do, you know, um, and so it, I ended up with something like this. Um, 
feel free to um, go to followthelastcity.com after this and grab um, my contact information and contact me. I can send you some photos if you want to put up with the podcast for it. Um, yeah, so all the pieces look like they're made out of distressed metal. All of your warriors are bolts that have been splattered with paint of the appropriate color. The board's play, or the board is made out of a, a piece of canvas spray painted in the shape of the board, stenciled. So it's it's neat, but you know, um, your discards are battered tin cans. Uh, the game comes in an ammo box, so yeah, very heavily themed, um, but also abstract, right? So it's it's not lots of beautifully painted minis or art of post-apocalyptic warriors, it's something that makes you feel like you're part of that, um, that world. The premise of the game is that you found it clutched in the hands of the last owner, and all the rules are written in, um, you know, in first person from their point of view telling you about the game that, that you found. Um, yeah. Yeah, give me um, kind of a tack feel, where they invented tack based on the IP and yes. created this whole fake pass to it so you yes. kind of have that thing going out. Yeah, really neat. No, I, I had done this actually before TAC, TAC even kickstarted and I was really excited to be like oh they're doing what I did um, you know and, and, and it works, and it works very like well it. yeah yeah. awesome so. well thank you very much for your time and good luck thank you I'm here with Sienna McDowell so Sienna what is your game our game is Super Ultra Megacon it's a game about exploring an ever changing uh, showroom floor at a convention to find the best booth ever so I actually got a chance to play this uh, in a playtest version a couple weeks ago, and I was physically in pain from laughing so hard. <laughs> like, like this is great. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about how it works? Uh, well, the players start on the edge of the board, and as they roll dice and move forward, they flip over different, ca different cards that have the layout of the showroom floor, and they face mini-games, and some of them are very strange and very difficult, <laughs> one of which involves trying to hold your breath for a long period of time, and that's the worst one I'm worst at. I can't hold my breath to save my life. It's really, I'm, it's really terrible. Yeah, I remember we had one where we had to make someone laugh, and we were so close, and we were all laughing, but he, he held it together. <laughs> I had to face that one, too. I, I was also not good at that, but... <laughs> uh, so what are your plans moving forward? Are you still testing this? Yeah, it's still in the playtest phase. Some of the cards need to be reworked, and the art needs to be changed, but we do, we do plan on moving forward with it and eventually releasing it to be purchased. And you can follow the development at, at StarCap Games on Twitter. And the name is the same on Facebook and also Instagram and Pinterest as well. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with... Don Mitchell from i for games uh, Our game is Aloft, where you are Sky Commodores exploring the cloudy seas. Uh, you, you start off with a starting ship. You get to uh, move around a hex-based board where you get to add new tiles to the board or re-explore tiles on the board. Uh, it's got a little bit of a katan in that you get to call out numbers that will give resources, but it's deterministic as opposed to die-rolled. Um, you get to upgrade your ships to make them better, or you can buy new ships to also increase your uh, armada. You can attack each other to steal resources, and sometimes when you explore, you might find a sky leviathan, which is a giant beast in the sky, for example, like a crow made out of canvas or a bass made out of metal. And the goal is to complete some number of hidden objectives before your opponents do. Uh, there's currently no release plan for it, uh, but we are continuing work on it, and we'll see when we're ready. <laughs> cool. It looks really nice. I love the art and the tokens, too. Very clean design. 
Is this the final art? Are you still working on that? Um, this is going to be about what it's, it is. There might be some tweaks as we go if we change it significantly, but this is probably what we're going to be going for. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with... Rachel Gravenmeyer with New Experience Workshop. And what's your game, Rachel? Our game is On Their Merry Way. It is where you play a band of Robin Hood's merry men who are trying to trick the rich merchants traveling through Sherwood Forest into falling for the traps that they've set. Cool. It looks really neat. There's a, there's a lot of scenery here. Is that actually going to be part of the final game or is that just set dressing? Well, right now this is set dressing. We have little trees and a little forest that um, I've actually made. Um, but the full game is going to be a board layout with um, tiny wooden pieces and meeples and those sorts of things as well as cards. But no, no tiny trees, unfortunately. Maybe a stretch goal. So how's the game play? Uh, so it is basically a resource management game with light programming elements. Basically, each player is trying to lay down their cards in such a way that um, the merchant's vices are met by the trap. So you can lay down a greedy trap for a greedy merchant, and then when they travel down the path, they'll fall for your trap. Somebody else might lay a greedy trap of four years, though, and then you're trying to kind of undercut everybody while um, getting as much profit as possible. So at the end of the game, whoever has the most money wins. Cool. And I noticed some younger kids playing this. What are, what are the ages for this? Um, so we're looking at an age range of like maybe eight to an up. Um, it's, it's geared toward family gamers and families who enjoy gaming, but it can be pretty challenging um, if it's just adults at the table, whereas you can obviously take it a little easy on the kids. Cool. That looks great. And uh, so what do you have plans for a release? So we're planning to release the game on Kickstarter between January and March um, so that it'll be a brand new release for Gen Con 20, 2018. Awesome. And do you have any contact info for anyone to get in touch with you or follow the game? Yeah, so they can check us out on newexperienceworkshop.com. They can also follow us on Twitter at, at New Games page and also on Facebook at facebook.com slash New Games page. We're always updating the Twitter and the Facebook, and the website gets pretty regular updates. It shows where we're going to be for events, um, when things are coming out, and what we've got on the market, as well as you can buy our other games there and on Amazon as well. Cool. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you. I'm here with Andrew Thomas of Andrew Simon Thomas Games. Uh, I'm showing off Tesseract's Wars. Looks pretty neat. How do you play? Uh, so Tesseract Wars is a strategy game for two to four players, uh, and you are uh, manipulating a galaxy of wormholes powered by black holes uh, to take over one another's planet. Um, so it's a randomly generated board of uh, a grid of 25 tiles, um, and it's constantly changing. It's very dynamic, uh, and there's, there's a cool kind of aspect where space sort of shrinks and grows as you play different cards and, and move around and, and battle each other. So uh, what, are you, what are you looking for here? Are you just testing it, showing it off for release? Or? Um, yeah, I, so I have uh, beta kits uh, for sale right now, and they're, they're on sale for the finished retail price, and then I'll send anyone any updates that happen. Um, through there, and, and right now I'm sort of just play testing. There's a couple uh, mechanics that I, I want to test and, and make sure that they really work, um, and then I'm going to figure out my release plan once I sort of get some more feedback. Um, so it'll either be Kickstarter or um, I'm open to 
you know, working with another publisher and, and putting it out. Cool. And you have any contact info people can follow, look at the game? Uh, yeah. Uh, so it is, uh, you can find the game at www.tesseractswars.com. Um, that is T-E-S-S-E-R-A-X wars.com. And then uh, my info, I'm all over the internet. If you search Andrew Simon Thomas, um, you'll find my Twitter, things like that. My uh, handle is Athomatron. Um, A-T-H-O-M-I-T-R-O-N I'm sorry, I don't know There's like, I'm just spelling things, this is a spelling bee now um, if you want to yeah, get in touch with me, uh, check out my artwork um, do that kind of thing, I do a lot of education around 3D printing too So, cool, awesome, thank you very much yeah, thank you I'm here with Adi Sleepak and I'm Liz Roach and we're the team behind Someone Has Died uh, Someone Has Died is an improvised will arbitration where one person uh, becomes the keeper of a dead person's estate. They get to set up who died, how they died, and what they left behind. Everyone else starts with a hand of four cards from which they build a character. And over the course of four rounds, they maintain that character and develop them, trying to convince the estate keeper that they should get the fortune. So it's a kind of character building and storytelling game. You're using the, the cards in your hand to build a character. We like to call it a, a baby RPG because it's like very light mode and then also has the um, judge social element of games like Cards Against Humanity, Super Fight, whatever it is. And we're, we're currently on Kickstarter. Uh, the, we're, our goal was 15000 We reached that in five days. So at, at, at this moment, I think we're at 27, maybe 300. Um, and we are, our, the Kickstarter runs for another about three weeks. It ends Tuesday, October 12th. And we're super excited to make this game really, really cool. And any contact info if people want to follow along now or after the Kickstarter too? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at Someone Has Died, which is controversial, but that works. Our website is someonehasdiedgame.com. Because then we learn that we need to put game when we email things out uh, with the headline, Someone Has Died. <laughs> um, and I think that's everything. Well, thank you very much I'm and good luck. Max Seidman. Hey, Max. And this is actually a game I heard about on a podcast that I cannot remember, but it sounds really interesting. So what's your game? So this is Visitor in Blackwood Grove. Uh, Visitor in Blackwood Grove is a game about aliens in the 80s. So an alien has crashed in Blackwood Grove, the forest just outside town, and the kid feels the earth tremble. She rides her bike over to check it out. Of course, the nefarious agents have been tracking the uh, alien craft since it entered orbit, and they show up in their black SUVs ready to dissect the alien. So it's a three-plus player game where the kid and the alien are on a team because if the kid wins, she saves the alien. And they're all against every one of the agents. So the agents are all out for themselves. They're all different agencies, the NSA, the CIA, the FBI. Um, and they each want to dissect it and get the credit. Uh, what's going on in the game is it's a 10-minute kind of light strategy uh, logic game where there's a force field, and certain objects can get through the force field, but certain objects cannot. If you figure out what gets through the force field, then you can get through and you can win. And what gets through the force field is defined by what the visitor comes up with. It's a magic, it's a pass rule that they can come up with out of the ether. It can be anything they want. It could be uh, things that have the color red. It can be uh, things that are dangerous. It can be things you can eat. It can be things I like. That's not a very good rule um, because no, the kid's not going to get it and I'm not going to win, but you could. Um, so, for example, imagine you had the objects, uh, you found that a skateboard, um, a car, and a mobile phone passed through the force field. 
But then you saw that a fish and a, an apple and an envelope don't pass through. What could the rule be? Um, well, in this case, the rule is things that contain metal. Um, my goal as the visitor is to make a rule that is hard enough that the agents don't get it, but easy enough that the kid eventually gets it. Cool. That, that does sound like a lot of fun. I love uh, basically guessing strategy games like that where you're trying to outthink people. It's really interesting. Uh, do you have any release plans yet? Yes, so we just finished our successful Kickstarter, and we expect to be uh, shipping those around December, so the game's going to launch around Toy Fair in February. Uh, we hope to have it out then. We are Resonant, and you'll be able to find the game on Amazon and in your local game store, hopefully. Cool, and any contact info if people want to follow up? Yes, uh, check us out at uh, resonim.com. Uh, that's R-E-S-O-N-Y-M. Cool, thank you very much. Yeah. I'm here with... Uh, Nathan Watts. Uh, this is Station 9. It's a game about a group of aliens with mutually exclusive life support conditions trying to coexist on the same space station with only one enclosed environment. Uh, because the environmental controls are accessible to everyone, it becomes a game about passive-aggressively adjusting the uh, thermostat, except in this case, because you're on a space station, you can also control the gravity and the precise composition of the atmosphere. So you might have one alien that likes zero gravity and one alien that likes very high gravity. Um, you might have, as in this case, we have one alien who is uh, in, uh, nitrogen intolerant and one who requires nitrogen to breathe. Um, so the game is played as a sort of drafting game. Uh, there are uh, three rounds, each four turns. Uh, at the end of each round, players score a number of comfort points uh, proportional to how close they are to their ideal environmental conditions. And then at the end of the game, the uh, player with the most comfort points wins the game. Um, each player has a randomly generated alien with a uh, unique set of environmental uh, preferences, and then also a unique alien power that they can use throughout the game that gives them sort of a, a special bonus. Um, the game plays about an hour. It's two to four players, and uh, 12, ages 12 and up, I think, although you could probably play it uh, with lower, because it's not a, an extremely complicated game. Cool. Uh, any release plans, Kickstarter, retail, looking for a publisher? Um, so at the moment, it's uh, in the prototyping phase, so we're still doing playtesting. Uh, the next step after uh, this is we're going to take the notes and the changes that we uh, find when we're doing playtesting here and demoing here and um, make those changes, and then we're going to send it out for uh, blind playtesting. Um, once we're done with that, we're going to start getting into um, some final graphic design and illustration. At the moment, all the graphic design is temporary and all the illustration is just stock art. Um, so none of the art you see here is final. Um, and then we're hoping to uh, run a Kickstarter for this uh, sometime in 2018. We haven't figured quite the timeline for that yet. Cool. That sounds really interesting. Do you have any uh, contact info if anyone wants to follow you online? Yes, hello. Contact info. Uh, you can Actually, first, who are you? Uh, I'm Adam Watts from Carpe Omnis, founder and basically sole employee of Carpe Omnis Games. Nathan helps me out with a lot of stuff. He's my brother. Uh, and he just gave a great description of your game? Yes, absolutely. He actually came up with the idea originally uh, for a video game with this concept. And then I said it would make a great card game. And we kind of hashed out the entire thing while standing in line at a roller coaster. And since That's the, the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Since then, I've been playtesting for the past year. So that yeah, that was vacation was about a year ago. It was, yeah, yeah. Actually. it's good times. Uh, awesome. <laughs> anyway. So you have any contact info if people want to follow you online? Yeah, absolutely. You can. My website is carpeomnis.com. 
The website for this particular game is carpeomnis.com slash station-9. These numbers spelled out. Uh, I can be contacted by email at adam at carpeomnis.com. Twitter is carpeomnisgames. Facebook is carpeomnisgames. Uh... It's just Carpe Omnis Games everything. If you Google it, I'm the first thing that comes up as well. So. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. I'm here with? I'm Noelle Posadas, and I'm here with uh, Biome Builder, our new card game. Um, it's a stacking card game where you are stacking creatures from different biomes, from plants to apex predators, and you are learning about food chain, different biomes, and uh, environmental effects that happen in all biomes, like climate change and invasive species. And right now, our game is available for pre-order at killersnails.com. Awesome. I, I do enjoy science games. So is this, we're talking accurate science here the kids could learn from? Yes. It's all um, just teaching science concepts with simple game mechanics that reflect those science concepts. Awesome. Um, any contact info if people want to follow up or look in the game? Sure. My email address is noelle at killersnails.com. Noelle is N-O-E-L-L-E. And you can go to our website, killersnails.com. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with Phil Sawyer with Empyrean Battles of Raphian. And how do you play Empyrean? So Empyrean is essentially, it's a deck building card game mixed with a tactical uh, uh, con territorial conquest board game. So like Risk meets magic, more or less. Cool. So, so it's deck building during the game and then trying to take over like certain parts of the board. Uh, so you deck build before the game. So essentially, when the, when the boss comes out, you'll get every single card in the box. No booster packs and that. Build whatever deck you want. Uh, pick your leader for your deck as well. Whatever you want. Then you go against whoever your opponent is, whatever deck they built. At that point, it becomes you're playing the field, the board, and there are four. There's about six points on the board you can capture. Four of them are control points, which will give you advantages during the game. Um, two of them are resource nodes. So you take those, you generate resources every turn. Um, so for a player, depending on what the strategy or what's happening, they'll choose a certain avenue in the moment, you could say. Because if you claim three of those four control points, you can win the game. So your strategy may be to go in and attack your enemy's base, and then you don't notice they've been slowly capturing points. You may think you're winning, it's like, oh my god, they're one point away from beating me. i got to go everyone back there and get them off before they take it. So it leaves a lot of that on-the-fly playing. But it also allows for deck building, because now you may build your deck based on your board strategy, which you should. Maybe like, I want to deck build for cool synergy and combos, but maybe I want to just focus on taking all those points. And depending what it is, you may be like, I don't need all the resource nodes. I need maybe one total, so I don't need to go for two. I don't need all the corners because I'm just trying to get in their enemy base. So I may need one just to get the, benefit, the bonus it gives me. Um, which the bonus is it reduces the cost of your cards for every control point you take. Cool. And you got different decks to start with? So like you choose a character or how does that work? Yeah, so there are five heroes. And you could say they're like your general. You'd use whatever powers they have and sort of try to weave your deck with the cards you pick based on that. So uh, here we have four. But... I go with the brawn. So the brawn general is like Burley's a dwarf, a pirate dwarf, steampunk pirate dwarf. Um, it's always awesome. And he uses like a ro robotic steampunk rocket hammer. So his strategy is he takes a lot of big, heavy troops that don't move very fast, but they don't need any power-ups because of it. They cost a lot to get up, but they're really hard to kill, so you don't have to worry about losing them as much. And kind of roll across the field, just steamrolling everything in your path. 
and he'll use temporary power-ups for one turn because the guys are so hard to move, maybe like a jump or something, you know, just to get them across in the enemy's face. So his whole deck, you're going to pick high-powered troops. Um, you may pick troops with a huge trait, which means you have two spots instead of one. So you have less troops, but again, they're bigger, stronger. Versus another guy here is the slide deck. He's like the goblin general, and he's really clever. So his stuff is all about uh, control. So he may put down like a teleportation trap. So you step in and boom, teleport you back to your base. It's like, crap, I think I got him. Or he'll, uh, he'll build a lot of turrets and stuff like that. Other hidden flamethrowers. You think you're coming into an open control point that your enemy just abandoned. You step in there and boom, this thing pops up and just lights you up. Then you got to start over. Sounds cool. You got any release plans yet? So, uh, so far, the strategy we've been staying on schedule is Kickstarter at the end of October. Um, and it looks like we're going to make that at this point. And then after that, we're estimating about six months after Kickstarter to set, ship the games out. So we're going to do manufacturing, all that stuff, and uh, more playtesting play every step of the way. Because we don't want to send it out until it's been playtested, like, extreme, you know? <laughs> cool. You have any contact info if anyone wants to follow along before the Kickstarter opens? Yes. Yes, we do. You can, uh, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Imperium the Game. You can also go to our website, which is ImperiumTheGame.com. And uh, we have a blog on there where we can update all the time like what we're doing, where we're at. And our Kickstarter isn't, obviously isn't up yet because we're still making it, working on it. But there'll be a link directly to there from the website. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, my name is Tim Blank. I designed You've Been Poisoned. And you can find me online on Twitter at, at GameworthyLabs. That's G-A-M-E-W-O-R-T-H-Y Labs, L-A-B-S. So this is You've Been Poisoned. Um, the evil Dr. Mortimer Thornblood has poisoned you because he's evil. And you have 10 to 12 minutes in order to figure out uh, where the antidote is. So on that side table right there, there are five bottles. One of those bottles contains the antidote. The other four bottles will contain a catalyst that will kill you immediately. <laughs> so you'll either die when the potion takes effect in 10 to 12 minutes or if you drink one of the catalysts. Luckily for you, the doctor has left a bunch of clues on his desk that will help you figure out which of those bottles contains the antidote. Also lucky for you, he has conveniently left for 10 to 12 minutes, giving you the time that you need to look throughout his desk. Uh, once you have found all the clues that you need, you head on over to the side table, you take a swig from one of the bottles, and if you find the antidote, you live. If you didn't, you have to act out a dramatic death scene for us. I'm here with... I'm Dave Logvin. And I'm Hannah Merchant, and together we're Asquith Games. Um, we have our new game here, Vampires and Villagers, The Curse of Kristoff, where everybody plays as a vampire lord and the humans always lose. Um, VNV is a game where you build up your crypt of creatures and feast on tasty humans. So basically in the game, your goal is to have the most powerful crypt at the end of four rounds. You do this by amassing powerful vampires within your crypt and also by gaining giant bats, which work in your uh, favor to be able to help you destroy the humans uh, by being more victory points. Family friendly 
Um, so we are um, hopefully uh, going to have the game available within the next six months to a year. Um, hopefully sooner than that rather than later. Um, do you want to give them our contact information, Dave? Sure, yeah. If you want more information, you can you can email uh, you can go to our website, vampiresandvillagers.weebly.com, or go on to BoardGameGeek and see all our various reviews. Um, we're both also on Twitter. Um, I am MitochondriArt. So, and I'm Ask with Games. Yeah. Um, so we announce uh, lots of information about the game on Twitter. So yeah, if you follow us there, you'll definitely get updates frequently. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm here with Cleo Davis. Uh, sorry, I am the designer of But Not Tonight, which originally is a freeform LARP, uh, about six hours long, but it is also in the process of being adapted to a tabletop RPG one-shot. Cool. Can you tell us about the theme? Yeah, so it, broadly it could just be described as the breakfast club in a fallout shelter. Uh, it takes place in 1986, kind of towards the end of Cold War tensions. Uh, people are still anxious, but not as fearful as they were before. And you're a student who's hanging out at high school after hours, and suddenly the air raid siren goes off, and you're whisked away into the fallout shelter with your high school guidance counselor. Um, and none of you know whether there was actually a nuclear attack or whether it was just a drill that no one's come to fetch you back from. And you're trapped in this fallout shelter for many hours trying to work through your inter-click dynamics because everyone's from a different high school click. Uh, cool. And you said it started as a freeform LARP. So is it, are you adding mechanics or is it still mostly roleplay heavy? So it's very, the tabletop version is still very narrative heavy, um, but there are adding mechanics. So for instance, there are things like an anxiety meter that functions a little similarly to how like a sanity meter would in some other games. Uh, but the consequence for when your anxiety meter gets filled up is that your character has to deliver a monologue. Uh, basically have a bit of a nervous breakdown and have to confess what their like darkest fear in that time is, which you know is more of a narrative consequence than it is a mechanical one. You're not losing health from it. Uh, your character is just kind of going through a little bit of a humiliating experience where they're confessing their uh, horrible emotions to everyone there. Um, and there's also things like positive click traits and negative click traits. So everyone, uh, every click has different benefits and downsides. Uh, and you're trying to, your goal is to demonstrate some of your more positive traits in this really trying time, but before you get there, you often demonstrate some of your nastier traits uh, and make people feel really uncomfortable in the process. So is there actually character creation or is it more pre-designed? How do they go about that? So for the demo version, there are pre-designed characters um, just to make it run a little faster. Uh, in the full-length version, both in the Freeform LARP and in the tabletop, character creation and relationship building are very, very important and are like the first things you start the game off with because every character has three different key relationships. There's a supportive relationship, which can be like normal friendship or like your, your sibling who you get along with or maybe someone you're dating. Uh, then an antagonistic relationship, which could be a very typical kind of bully relationship or someone, like an ex you don't get along with anymore or a kind of frenemy situation. And then my favorite is the secret relationship, which is for whatever reason, you have this relationship with someone that you don't want other people to know about. So one example is, let's say, the nerdy, the kid from the nerdy clique. Uh, 
gets really drunk one night and is just completely wasted and the athletic kid sees this and decides, you know what, I'm going to give him a ride home even though our cliques aren't really supposed to be interacting. It's embarrassing for there to be uh, too much inter-click relations. Um, and so they have this bonding moment where it's just a very nice interaction but both of them know they're not supposed to talk about it outside of just the two of them. And that, of course, is going to come to light in the fallout shelter when everyone is like breaking apart uh, secret relationships don't stay secret for long in the fallout shelter well that sounds really interesting um do you have any release plans yet yeah so the freeform version the larp version um i've kind of just been sending out to people who want to play test it still that's complete the tabletop version will be complete soon and then ultimately i plan to release the tabletop along with the freeform version and also three other 80s cinematic themed games so there's one that's um very kind of goonies kid adventure themed uh but with a dark twist i'll say <laughs> maybe a little stranger things thrown in there um there's one that's very kind of inspired by the fandom of labyrinth um and legend like those kind of gloriously cheesy 80s Flick, fantasy flicks. Um, and then the other one is 80s slasher themed. So a little bit more horror thrown into uh, that collection. So I'm hoping that it'll be published as a book. At the very least, it'll be a PDF. I'm, I want a hard copy, I think, though. Uh, and that's all kind of currently in the works. There's no set date for anything. Uh, and do you have any contact info if anybody wants to follow along while you're working on these? Or if they want to play test? Yeah, so um, it's everything is kind of kept up to date on my website, which is cysdavis.com. Um, it, the website is still kind of in progress of being updated. It's uh, <laughs> as most people's creative portfolio websites are a little messy right now, but it's being the progress of the game collection is definitely being kept track of there, um, and as well as some other game design projects. I was here last year with a different game, a card game. Um, that's all being kept track of on that site. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I'm here with... Amelia Frost from Bad Captain Games. And your game is? Zero Sum, the card game. It's a competitive sci-fi strategy card game where you play a corporate agent uh, from one of three different corporations. We've got a cyborg corporation, a hacker corporation, and a space mercenary corporation. And uh, basically you've been deployed on a hostile alien planet and you need to prove that you are the best corporate agent to get the job done, uh, which is basically uh, a battle of risk versus rewards. And when you, uh, you, you succeed when you have basically depleted your, your opponent's uh, budgets down to zero credits or when you have proven uh, your prestige uh, basically risen through the ranks and gained a certain number of prestige points to go back to your home planet and be like, hey, I'm the best corporate agent, promote me. Cool. And is it is it just two players or is it multiplayer too? So we have a solo campaign mode. Uh, we have a 1v1 or a three-player competitive mode and we're working on a two-player uh, team play. Uh, at some point in the future, we're working on a cooperative mode, uh, which will have a completely different uh, scenario pack to it. Um, we're looking at kickstarting early next year um, for our second time. We actually kickstarted last year, uh, failed our Kickstarter, which was a great learning experience, and took that time to basically make the game uh, better, we hope, and uh, get, give players more to do. Cool. And lastly, any contact info if people want to follow along and get ready for the Kickstarter? Sure. Um, so we are on badcaptaingames.com. That's our website. Uh, we can be reached uh, at badcaptain 
on uh, Twitter, and uh, we're on Facebook, Bad Counting Games. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with... Isaac Gibbs. And your game is? Adventures of the Sumerian Forest. And how do you play that? Uh, it's a two to five player cooperative card game. Um, it plays in about an hour or so. Um, your goal is to capture three creatures, uh, two rare creatures and one endangered creature for your uh, master, the, the circus handler. Um, and the way you do that is you are collecting resources found around the forest. And at the same time, you're trying to dodge creatures from getting chomped and um, trying to fend off the other creatures in the forest, uh, trying to protect those rare and endangered creatures. Cool. And you're still in the playtesting phase right now? Absolutely, yeah. This is the first game that uh, I've ever designed. Um, the, the fig is a blessing. Um, I wasn't really expecting to get this far, but things are going well, so people are liking it, and uh, things, yeah, things are going really well. So, um, you know, we're taking it as far as... As far as it's going to take us. Awesome. So, as a first-time presenter, how are you liking Boston Fig? That's uh, pretty cool. I've actually never been to the Fig before, either. Um, I'm from Western Mass. Um, I, I lived in the Boston area about 10 years ago, but uh, I've since moved. And, uh, yeah, having having this experience has been amazing. Um, I've, I've never really thought that, you know, um, people would really, really like this, but it's, it's turning out really well. And it's, like, the whole journey uh, has been... Crazy, um, yeah, but it, it's been it's been a wild ride. But it's fun, yeah. And lastly, any contact info if you want to follow along with the game and see how it's going? Sure, um, you can follow us at mayhemgames.com. That is our game company. Um, we are not uh, LSC yet. We're working on that. Um, and yeah, so follow us there for any uh, Adventures of the Sumerian Forest news. And uh, if we decide to come out with a release date or a Kickstarter or something like that, it'll all be on there. And you said this is your first design. So do you plan on continuing with this? Has the bug got you? Absolutely. Um, so uh, so this, this is my first actual design I've taken to sort of fruition. I, I've designed many uh, video games, actually. Um, but uh, I kind of like tabletop because I like the, the physical feel of it. Um, and so I, I've got a few in the pipeline. Um, on the site, there are, there are two more. I'm working on a... Um, a kids game called Dad Hates Cats. Um, it's a game where uh, you're trying to get the cat to your room without dad seeing. Um, and another game called Fragments. It's a 52-card uh, um, time traveling experience um, that that plays uh, like almost like Rummy, but uh, with some variants. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm here with Walter Adams. And what's your game, Walter? It's called Gut Instinct, and it's from Best Coast Games. Basically, Gut Instinct is a science-themed card game where players use white blood cells to protect the human gut from invading bad bacteria. Cool. So is this more of a real science game where people can actually learn while they're playing, or is it lighter? This is actually all based in real science. I'm a microbiologist by training, and um, I've tried to ground every aspect of this game in real science so it can be educational and fun at the same time. That's awesome. I'm, I'm seeing a lot more real science games coming out with, with good mechanics, so it's still a good game. But why use fake science when you have real science that's just as incredible? Exactly. Um, one of my passions is board games. The other is science. So I thought, why not merge the two? Because there, you're right, there aren't too many science games out there, but I feel like in the last couple of years, we've really started to see some great products come out. So how many players does it work for? So this is for two to six players and can play anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes, depending on the number of players. Cool. And what are your plans for release? So we're still um, finishing the final prototypes right now, but we're hoping to release a Kickstarter in the spring of 2018. And all of our information we found at www.bestcoastgames.com. Cool. Well, thank you very much, and good luck. Thank you. I'm here with... 
My name is Razlo. And what's your game, Razlo? My game is called Go Go Gatai, and it is a uh, miniatures uh, combiner robot versus game. Pretty cool, and how does it play? Uh, so you start off the game, and uh, you only have one active robot. All the rest of your robots uh, for both players are deactivated and scattered across the city, uh, the board. And uh, you kind of maze your way around the buildings uh, on the board and try to activate the rest of your robots. And if you're lucky, if you activate all of them and get them near each other, you can for combine, actually combine the minis uh, together and make a combiner robot. Awesome. Is it just two-player, or can you play multiplayer? Uh, so we're starting off, we're going to do a Kickstarter next year, and we're going to just have this two-player uh, version of the game. If people are into it enough, and we're hoping that they will be, we'll have additional uh, combiner robots as uh, stretch goals. And once we have more, you know, enough we, that we can do a three- or four-player game, then we'd have that as an option. Awesome. And any contact info if people want to follow you and get ready for the Kickstarter? Sure. Uh, the game doesn't have a website yet, uh, so if you want to just find out everything that I'm doing in terms of uh, games and toy design, uh, just check out at Razlo on Twitter, R-A-Z-L-O. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that does it for this episode of the Board Game Workshop. Uh, next episode, we will finish up the interviews from Bfig. And then after that, we are back to roundtable discussions as normal. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theboardgameworkshop. You can find us on Twitter at thebgworkshop. You can find my blog at bluecubeboardgames.com. And you can find the show notes at theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.